Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Tanisha, host of Wine School Dropout. I am so excited to be back. Thanks to your donations, we're bringing you a season two that goes beyond Wine 101 and takes you behind the scenes with wine folks around the world. So many things have happened in the world since last season. So this time around, we wanted to go a little further, highlighting the voices and work of people that share something in common with me, people of color, working in the wine business. Whether they are crafting a wine in a country not their own or building a wine brand around their own culture, everyone featured in this season has a unique perspective on our Wine School Dropout mantra. Wine is for all. I'm so excited to share these fascinating wine stories all from people of color. Welcome to this season of Wine School Dropout, Wine Around the World Edition. think you're not living your best life, that you can and should be doing more to live up to your full potential, or maybe you're just bored where you are. Our next guest named Ratha found herself in a similar situation and wanted to do something about it. It wasn't easy and it wasn't pretty, but she made the decision to gain new skills, including learning French, to see where that would take her. Well, It took her all the way to Bordeaux. Listen as Namratha recounts her steps from her wife life in India to her wine life in Bordeaux. Hello, Namratha. How are you today? Thank you for joining me. Hi, Tanisha. Thank you so much for inviting me. No problem. So I want to start with a basic question. Who are you and what do you do? Well, um, I'm a winemaker. I'm a brand specialist. I'm a wine consultant. Um, and I have uh, a company called Wine Equation. I sell uh, happiness to people. So that's what I do. <laughs> I like that. Who doesn't want or need a little happiness, especially right now? Absolutely. And um, I come from India. Uh, I've lived most of my life in India, uh, took a, you know, a plunge of faith and moved to Bordeaux in 2017 to get into the wine industry, studied a year of wine marketing and management and just drive straight, straight into, into it. You know, it, it was incredible. It was incredible. Well, I, at first I learned to swim. <laughs> okay. Uh, I learned to float, sorry. And, um, then I started learning to swim and now I'm swimming. <laughs> Hooray! 
Yes, wonderful, wonderful. So you're in wine now. That is, um, I think it's safe to say that that is not necessarily a career path that many take in India. So what was your first job or your career path? Well, uh, my interest was always in food and and beverage. Um, And so my first job was in a chocolaterie in 2009. Um, This interest, uh, this food and beverage interest was because also I did hospitality earlier. So when, when, you know, I had chance to take up my first job uh, after I had gathered enough courage to stand up against the wishes of my husband and his family because they didn't want women in the family to work. So basically when I married, I signed off my career uh, because they requested me not to work. Uh, But it turned a little difficult financially later. But then in 2009, I got, got a job in a chocolaterie. It was a part-time job. Chocolate lounges were unheard of in India until an Australian, you know, uh, of Indian origin got into the space. He started a company called Bliss Chocolate okay. and expanded throughout the main cities of India. Uh, the company was pretty, you know, in its nascent stages when I joined in. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I worked for three days in a week. Um, I conducted orientation sessions, arranged for, for on-the-job training, for new uh, hires and, you know, start, plan staff development programs and stuff like that. And also, because it was new, I did help in the day-to-day operations, like making chocolate and, you know, uh, packing and, you know, taking care of all of that. So um, I worked with them for a year. They were extremely flexible with working women. I think the, the fact that this, this person who employed me came from Australia really, you know, brought a different dimension to, you know, working in this company. So um, I did work for a year with them and I went back to my role of being a housewife after that, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> because of circumstances. Right. So uh, then your life took a turn that you probably didn't expect. Um, what did you do after that? After I took the turn? Like, because there's a big jump from India to France. That's right. Yeah. So um, when I was, okay, let's, let's go back to pregnancy because when I was pregnant um, in 2007, uh, I had my baby girl. Mm-hmm. And then after my pregnancy, as most women experience, I had um, a post-pregnancy uh, depression. I was getting into post-pregnancy depression. So um, I said, I have to keep away from this. I have to keep my mind occupied. I have to do something, you know, I have to learn a new skill. Um, And I said, uh, German was my first, uh, why not German? Because, you know, I had folks in Germany and, you know, my aunt, she spoke only German. So I said, why not learn German? I could converse with her. But, you know, the center for learning German was quite far away. So um, the closest was Alliance Francaise. So I said, okay, let me, let me, look up the internet, let me learn a little bit, you know, before going, going into school. So uh, because my daughter was young, uh, I said, I'm going to wait until she's a, little, a year older and then go to school regularly. So I think that went very well. So um, at that time, I started when she was one, when my daughter was one, I started learning French uh, at the Alliance Francaise in Bangalore. And uh, what happened was every year for a certain period of time, I would go back to school, but I took counted trips because my, my husband's family, they didn't like me working or studying. 
so they did come to know after a while that I was uh, I was learning French, but it was too late because I was already in an advanced level. Ah, okay. Yeah. So um, why all this? I'll come to you because um, once I finished with the chocolaterie, I said, uh, what am I doing? I'm a housewife. You know, I was, I was still feeling very unproductive. And um, in 2013, I said, okay, let me try again to work. And I sent out resumes saying, um, you know, I, I know French and I, you know, I've uh, done a little bit of chocolate making and this is, this is me. Well, it was very funny. I was shocked to get a response. A technology company contacted me and uh, they offered me a French speaking role in the IT sector. And I was not an engineer or a technologist, you know, mm-hmm. but the company was ready to train me on the same so uh, I remember at the interview, uh, the manager's exact words, you know, was uh, I can train you to be an engineer, but I definitely cannot train you, train an engineer to be fluent in French. And that shocked me. I said, oh, my God. OK, this is this is something interesting. I have learned a skill that is going to add value to my career. That was when I really realized what French did to me, to my life. So at the end of the interview, they offered me a month's training in Paris. And oh la la, after learning about France, about, you know, the culture in Alliance Francaise, it was like a dream to go to Paris. And when he said, you know, you need to train in Paris for a month, I was elated. I was elated. But my next challenge was convincing my husband and his family. And also because I needed his signature to travel to Paris because I needed a no objection certificate from him because I wasn't working, you know, early. I wasn't, at, you know, wasn't paying income tax as such. Yeah. <laughs> so um, eventually we had tough days, a few difficult days, and eventually he did let me go. And uh, Paris definitely was like, you know, a dream, a dream. I think everybody's been speaking about Emily in Paris right now at the moment. Yes. <laughs> I haven't watched it myself, but I'm super curious. I would, I will watch it uh, soon. But yeah, like Paris for every girl, it it was like a dream. And you know, when I went there, I felt free. I felt like I was a bird out of the cage. It's interesting how that is such like people have that uh, that feeling when they come to Paris or when they come to France. It's so interesting because while sometimes we get a little frustrated when we see that one view of Paris and we're like, no, that's not really what it looks like. But for some people, it is like that. Um, whether that's, you know, like you were mentioning, like you saw stars, you felt some emotions. So to you, Paris looks like the Eiffel Tower and all the lights and the Champs-Élysées. Like that's how you saw all of the city. So sometimes I think when they do Paris in movies, they're just trying to show you, they're trying to give you that same feeling. But it's hard to put that into words because it is just that, a feeling. Absolutely. It kind of just takes your breath away. I remember when I first came here, um, that I was just like, wow, it was just something about it. And I'm glad I hadn't seen a whole lot of movies or had this very romanticized view of it. 
But coming here, just like, okay, people talk about Paris. I know that's where the Eiffel Tower is. Coming here and then just being able to just experience it without an idea already in my head, it just made it magical for me. So I was like, well, I have to move. So wow, you did wonderful. it. So you mentioned that you were taking French to uh, keep your sanity. And then you, did, you were baking bread. You were working with chocolate. And then you settled on wine once you got to France. Uh, that's right. I would say it was due to years of my personal turmoil. Mm-hmm. Uh, there came a time when I needed to restart life from scratch. Uh, unfortunately, I had lost a lot of years not working. And uh, I said, you know, I have to do something that can change my life and I could get stable pretty quickly. At that time, my sister suggested that I go, go abroad to study, do an MBA or do something that would interest me. She said, follow your passion, you know. So uh, my obvious choice at that time was France. So I looked up the internet to find an, an MBA course and I found a very interesting one on wine. It was a marketing and management course on wine. So that was in Bordeaux. Uh, so that was the first time I, I thought, why not Bordeaux? Why not, you know, why Paris? Why not Bordeaux? You know, I've been to Paris. I've tried it. Uh, I love Paris. I love the, the, the convivialité, everything, the people, the music, the art and everything. But I love wine and, you know, uh, Bordeaux, Bordeaux could be the place. And um, I, when I was younger, I had a professor in hospitality. I had done my hospitality between 2000 and 2004. So we had wine as a subject. And I had a professor who was uh, incredible with wines in India back, back at that time, uh, when people still didn't know what wine was. So I dived into the wine industry and it just felt right. It just felt right. But uh, when, when I left India to get onto the flight, I was, I was extremely skeptical because I was leaving my daughter and my dog. Uh, my daughter was nine at the time and my dog was 11. And, um, you know, I had mixed feelings when I sat on that flight. I said, what am I doing? You know, the stakes were high. I could not afford to fail. You know, if I mm-hmm. fail, then I lose more years. So I said, um, I just went with my gut feeling, Tanisha. I think, you know, I just closed my eyes. I said, I'm going to do this. And there was this inner voice was saying, let go, let life, you know, take its path. So I just, I just believed in myself. I said, I'm going to do this. And I just went ahead. Uh, my parents stepped in, they, they, they took care of my daughter. So I was free, you know, in my mind to learn more things and, you know, to focus on learning and education and you know um and they then later work so she just happened to come here she just um arrived a month back two months yeah we've we've stayed apart since three and a half years and uh it was a battle between you know bringing her here and um, it was difficult with the the family not letting go of her Mm -hmm. but eventually you know we I stood my ground she stood her ground and you know she's here so I'm I'm so, so happy. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. And I know it helped you so much to have the support of your family um, with them uh, being able to step in and help you out um, as needed with your daughter and with your dog. 
and knowing that um, they kind of had your back, that lets you be able to come here and be a little more free. And like you said, to just let go, right? Absolutely. I think I think my my backbone are my parents, my sister, my uh, sister's husband, my brother-in-law, who's my mentor. He's handheld me throughout these three and a half years saying, you can do it. You can do it. Go ahead. My parents have been incredible. My mother has been, you know, taking care of, of, uh, of my child and, you know, my dog. So I'm, I'm forever grateful for whatever they've done for me. They're just incredible people. Okay. So uh, from Bangalore to uh, studying French, visiting Paris loving it, then later deciding to get your MBA out of school in Bordeaux. Then you come to Bordeaux, you enjoy it, you do well in your studies, you finish your MBA, and then what do you do next? After my MBA, I was a little worried I, because I put in um, my resume. I said, you know, I'm going to send it out. And let's see if, you know, anybody accepts me and then, you know, I can start working. It was a choice. Either I work or I build business. And uh, during the one year of my MBA, um, I said, I'm going to try both at the same time. If I get a job, I go ahead with the job. But if I don't get a job, I still have a business to fall back on. So I started the uh, middle of my MBA. I started, you know, creating wine equation. I started researching about wine investments. I started researching about, you know, wine tours, collection wines, uh, auction wines, you know, all of this. So I dived into, you know, a lot of aspects in the wine industry. And I was, you know, uh, testing each one of it to see what's more feasible for me to do at that point of time. It started with wine investments. I tied up with cult wines from in London and... Um, that that was the beginning of wine equation and after that um, I started adding little by little you know uh, wine tours uh, I started managing people's cellars uh, I, I traveled I traveled to, to to meet people the more I traveled the more people I met the more you know uh, bonds I created and I think the fundamental of having a wine business are the people so you need to build your business from the base with people, your contacts. So that's what I did. And um, in 2018, when I finished my MBA, um, I, I met Corinne, uh, who's a winemaker in um, the region of Bly. I was at the Vin Expo and I remember she, uh, I met her and you know we had this kind of connection. And I said, um, can you teach me winemaking? Uh, she said, uh, I would be very, very happy to teach you winemaking. Would you like to come and visit my vineyards first? So the next month I visited a vineyards and she she's an amazing, amazing woman. She she makes wine. She's a um, she's she's the fifth generation of a winemaking family. She makes incredible wines um, in line. Uh, she was telling me that like, she touched every leaf uh, as we walked by, and she said, you know, winemaking is like um, like it's a uh, pregnancy you 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 uh take care of yourself for nine months and then you you know then you deliver the baby and then you take care of the baby so it's like okay nine months you you know you you take care of every grape that's growing and then you know it's like a cycle so she says every year 
my my baby is born <laughs> i make wine i bottle them and i'm i'm so happy i have every year so you know um i think her passion just shows in whatever she does and and it's you know encapsulated in every bottle she creates and i really really wanted to learn how you know she did that and around the same time i was working also on a branding on branding for a client who wanted a wine a label of uh, his own uh, he was from london and you know he was an indian origin but in london so uh, you know he came back to me we discussed a lot and it was it was you know my he was my first customer and i i you know i said i'm doing this i'm also making wine with corine can i bring out a label like a brand separately to tell you know to market it then corine said yeah you should do it go ahead so i created um solicantus after and uh, since then it's been you know coronavirus and things like that but it was also this the whole year this year i have started uh, i had started writing a book last year so i took time to finish the book um and then also push a little bit of sales for solicantus uh, this year but this year has been a little low key Have you been dreaming of sitting in a wine bar in Paris again? Well, why not purchase the ebook 75 in the 75. 75 wine bars to visit in Paris. All of my wine bar recommendations and pictures in one place. Tons of photos of the city of light. Classic or natural wines, big euros or centimes. We've got all taste covered in this wine guide. For purchase visit my website www.girlmeetsglass.com and select 75 in the 75 wine guide and how did you come up with the name solicantus well okay like everybody's problem <laughs> because when you're looking for names you're sleeping you're eating you're 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 bathing and you're thinking what can it be mm-hmm. <laughs> so um th- there was one one day when i said you know i woke up and i said uh what is what is the wine about you know what what is my wine about and you know this music kept coming to me this music you know i could i could hear the piano playing you know mozart and i could you know i could envisage wine on the on a piano and you know and people around it and um i could i could see the wines growing in the vineyard the soil so i said you know it has to do something with music there has to be something with music so um, i wanted to put the soil and the music together and then i looked up different languages and then i think the latin made so much sense because in latin soli means soil and uh, cantus means melody so i think it just you know uh, married perfectly together i like that thank you so much and so then you added um soli cantus and uh, the branding to um wine equation so like wine equation is the umbrella and then these are all things that are a part of it absolutely absolutely so uh, soli cantus is a brand under wine equation it's the first brand so we will be coming up with uh, two more brands in the future okay and soli cantus is made is this the one that's made in um what region is this in bordeaux 
This is a very beautiful uh, region of Bordeaux, um, not very visited, unfortunately, or fortunately, because it's a jewel <laughs> right <Yeah>. now. <laughs> so um, this is in the Bly region of Bordeaux. It's on the right bank. It's near the river. It's near the river. So, you know, Philip de Rothschild, uh, Rothschild he says, the best vineyards are inside of the river always. So this, uh, the vineyards are in, you know, just next to the uh, Garonne. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's a UNESCO heritage site um, in the same region. So it is, it is visited mostly by French, but not many tourists from, you know, who come from all over the world are really aware of this region. They make great wines. They have um, the primary grape varieties, uh, Merlot, Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, and Malbec. Malbec is like, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful grape. So we have Malbec in Solicantus too. Okay, so I was going to ask you, um, because you said Bly was such a jewel, what makes it um, special to you? The fact that, you know, I started, I met a winemaker as passionate as uh, Corinne Chevrier mm -hmm. uh, from the Bly region, and I started my journey in Bly, and uh, when I started, I knew uh, two people in Bly, mm -hmm. and um, then it became three, now it's like a whole whole town I know people in life so I think wine is all about you know uh, people people and um, the joy that you know wine brings when we are all around people it's very close to my heart Bly. Now from a wine standpoint thinking about Bordeaux and thinking about left bank versus right bank luckily you found yourself on the right bank how would you describe this if you were describing this to someone how would you describe the styles of the wine on the right bank? Uh, right bank, they are more fruit forward, I would say. They have the same complexity. They, they have a lot of complexity, but the wines are a little mellow and it's, it's smooth. The, the finish is quite smooth. And usually, you know, the, the right banks we, you know, in the region of light, we use barrels, oak barrels, 18 months uh, minimum. And um, the wines are, they're quite fruity. The, the, the nose is, is filled with bouquet, uh, red fruits, black fruits. So it's, I would say, um, if you're looking for something that's drinkable and keepable, go for the right bank. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can drink now. You can as well keep it for 20 years. And that's something, I'm glad you said that, because I'd say Bordeaux is one of the um, more complicated regions, I feel like, for some consumers to really wrap their minds around, because mm -hmm. the wines there are so vastly different between left bank and right bank, and then where you are on each bank, um, what the blend of the grapes are, and what percentages. Um, people are just like, I don't know necessarily what I will get. So for you to say a wine from Bly is one, that they have Malbec in it, which a lot of people know that grape and a lot of people are fans of that. And then they say it's something you can drink now and then also age. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of, uh, of Bly. Do you think that Bordeaux um, has a, not a problem, but do you think from a marketing standpoint that Bordeaux could do more to kind of help consumers understand and appreciate the wines of that region? 
Um, I think what Bordeaux lacks is unity when it comes to wine marketing. Well, there, there is always this, the Grand Cru and the not Grand Cru, the, the 1855 classification that has been carved on, on rock. I've also found producers uh, who are in the region of Margot, who's been, who have just a hectare or two hectares, who have been making excellent wines. So I think somewhere um, from marketing point of view, I think Bordeaux has, you know, has the crown, has the crown wherein, you know, everybody knows about Bordeaux. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole world knows about, you know, uh, the first five classifications and especially the first five. Mm -hmm. But I think the smaller producers, you know, they need to to up the game a little bit um, and do market themselves. Or, you know, um, I, I see this a lot. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't compare it, but I, I'm tempted to compare it. I see this a lot in the beer industry because ah, okay. I also deal. Yeah, I also sell barrels for the beer industry and um, uh, the spirits industry. So what we lack here in Bordeaux is uh, like the beer industry. They share everything. They're, they're together in, you know, they're, they're selling together. They're sharing ideas. They're sharing their secret recipes. They're sharing, they're sharing, they're sharing. So as a whole, you know, as a tribe, they are going together, you know, to the market. But in Bordeaux, it's quite divided. So I think that needs to change a little bit. So as a whole, thinking about moving um, to Bordeaux and doing your studies there and living your life there and building a brand and making wine. What does Bordeaux represent to you? Bordeaux is, um, represents uh, freedom, uh, freedom of mind, uh, freedom of spirit. Um, and Bordeaux represents convivialité, you know, Every day, in everyday life, you meet people, um, you, you have a glass of wine, you know, next to the fireplace or, you know, you have the table arranged, you know, with beautiful glasses, plates and beautiful people speaking to each other. And I think that is the, the, the best in Bordeaux that I could find. That feeling of, you know, a belonging, the feeling of being valued as a person and the feeling of having... Uh, this kind of a lifestyle around wine, I think that is is what it represents. Convivialité, in a word. <laughs> I love it, and I completely agree. Completely agree with you. Um, I want to hit on one more thing before I let you go. Um, you also have a focus on giving back, and you were able to make a new life for yourself and kind of change the course of your life and you want to give back. Can you tell um, us a little bit more about that? Uh, so when I was uh, a child, maybe, well, I was eight when I was at the beach uh, on one of my vacations uh, in the east coast of India. And uh, I found a dead baby girl, a newborn baby uh, at, on, the, on the shore. And um, I thought it was a doll. So, you know, uh, I was with my cousins and we all ran towards, you know, her to pick, pick her up. And uh, when I really held her in my hand, um, I was shocked and I, I dropped her without, you know, I, I, as a child, you don't know what to say. You don't know why a baby is lying on the, on the seashore dead. Mm -hmm. So um, at that time, you know, I was too young. Uh, that memory has never left me. 
it was because of female infanticide. It was rampant at that time in India. So, um, and later on in stage, I realized that that was the reason why, you know, there were babies, you know, sometimes people found babies on the beach. So I decided that I have to do something. I have to do something. And this is um, something that is so close to my heart. And um, I said, how can you take a child's life? How can you take a, a, you know, a girl's life girls need to you know we need more education in this you know um in india we need we need to do more i cannot be comfortable staying at home saying you know i have a beautiful life i have my daughter here there are other daughters who need us too so i said every bottle of solicantus that i sell i will put into educating a girl child in india because they will in turn educate their children and you know the cycle goes on so it's very important to educate a girl unfortunately this year i was supposed to go back to india to tie up with an organization but it's it's not possible it wasn't possible this year so i will do it next year hopefully if things are um flights are still working and you know i can still travel uh but you know the 30 cents will be kept for the education of you know girl children in india yeah i think i think the world needs to change <laughs> agreed and um i think that's a valiant effort and um you know let us know how we can support you in any way with that thank you so much i i, I will let you know for sure and final question you started off at 24, married in Bangalore, and you had an idea of what you wanted for your life and what was a beautiful life then. What is your idea of a beautiful life now? I think my, well, I know that, you know, my beautiful, my life is beautiful right now. <laughs> I need, I have everything around that's surrounding me that is beautiful now. I have my child back here. I have uh, wines. I have beautiful i have friends i have um the brand it's like another baby the brand for me mm -hmm. <laughs> so um i have wine equation i think i think i i'm lucky in a way that you know i've come so far and uh yeah i need to push for sales a little more but uh i think i'm very content in life and this is this is life is beautiful for me well, fantastic. I think that is a perfect way to um, stop there. If we want to buy Solicantis, or if we want to support you or take a tour or find you on the online or social media space, where can we find you? Well, um, at the moment, we are looking at uh, signing up with importers in different countries. So the wines will be available soon in different countries, UK, the US, France, of course, it's available. You will find all the details on www.solicantus.fr. So if you go to the website, you will find all the details. Uh, we will also, please reach out to us, um, you know, sign up for the subscription. We will send you emails. Uh, so you will, you know, you will know what's happening with the brand. All right, perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, sharing um, some key points about Bordeaux with us, and just educating us a little more about um, the wines of France. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Tanisha. I had so much fun doing this interview. Thank you so much and keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Wine School Dropout. You can find more information about Nimratha and Solicantis at www.solicantus.fr. www.solicantus.fr. This podcast was produced by Studio Ochenta, hosted by me, Tanisha Townsend. Our executive producer is Lori Martinez. Our sound editor is Luis Raul Lopez Levi. Our theme was done by Gabriel Dalmaso. Music is by Makai Beats. Our art is by Tiffany DeLune. Follow us at Wine School Dropout on Instagram and check out ochentastudio.com for full transcripts of this and every episode of the show. See you next week.